0: Phil, it is so good to be with you today in the house of the Lord, and we are glad that you are here with us, and if you want to go ahead and take your Bibles, please turn to the book of Isaiah in chapter 6, and then mark your Bibles, and we're going to stay there just briefly, and then we're going to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Today we're beginning a brand new series that we have entitled Journey, and we're going to talk about, over the next four weeks, about our journey to discover Who God is. Now, for some of you, that's going to mean this. It's going to mean for the first time, you're going to be challenged to come into relationship with our Heavenly Father, with the Lord Jesus Christ, or through the Lord Jesus Christ, into relationship with Creator God. And that's the beginning of your journey. For a lot of us, it's going to be a challenge to rediscover truly the God who is. Now, we all know about journeys. Life is a journey, and a lot of us are on journeys even right now. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Gene and I came back from a journey to New Mexico. Um, it, uh, and just uh, next week, our team is going to Haiti, and they're going to a journey there to another country, to Haiti. Uh, in about a month, there will be a team going to Mali to, on a journey there. So life is about journeys. But listen to this. No journey is more important than the journey to discover who God is. First off, in the sense of relationship with Him, and then secondly, truly who God is as we become a believer in Him. Now, our roadmap this next four weeks will be Isaiah chapter 6 and verses 1 through 8. And we may go just a little bit beyond that when we get that fourth week. We'll see then. But I would like for you to do something we don't normally do. Go and take your Bibles, if you have your Bible, and turn to Isaiah chapter 6. I'm asking you to stand to your feet. We're going to do this the next four weeks. I'm asking you to stand your feet, and we're going to read through the Word of God, our roadmap for the next four weeks. Isaiah, chapter six, verses one through eight. I'll read. Would you follow along, please, in your copy of the Word of God and on the screen, which I don't think we have it all there. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe. Filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said. Holy. Holy. Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door. Were shaken by the voice of him. Who cried out. This has covered or touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is cleansed or purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here am I, Lord, send me. Would you pray with me, please? Our Heavenly Father, it is an awesome privilege for us to come in prayer to you. It's an awful, awesome privilege. To begin a journey to discover who you are. Father for my friend here today. Who perhaps has never met you personally. Through your son Jesus Christ. May today be the day. That they begin their journey with you. By answering Jesus simple call. Follow me. For the bulk of us, Lord, somewhere in our past, we made that commitment and we began that journey. And for some, the journey has remained very passionate. But, Father, for some, the journey has waned and perhaps has cooled. And over the next four weeks, Father, is our desire to rediscover who you are, what our response to you should be. And also, our cry to you saying, here I am. Use me. Send me. Take me. We commit this time to you. Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name I ask you to do your work. I am a mere man, as all pastors are. And without you this becomes a speech. It becomes a presentation of information. And that is all. Only you can draw men to the Father. Only you can soften hearts to receive truth. So we are totally dependent on you today and ask that you work the work of God. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen. Journeys. As I said earlier, we're all on a journey. And today I'm just so excited about this, this scripture we're going to look at in 2 Chronicles 26, because I think there's so much life truth that we can bring from 3,000 years ago and bring it currently into our lives. Now, all journeys begin with a reason. All journeys begin. Perhaps you're just wore out today. Perhaps you're just tired today. And you say, you know what? What I need is a vacation. And your driving force is to take a time and get away and go to somewhere where you can get your batteries recharged. Perhaps tomorrow morning your business is sad. You're going on a journey. it's not for pleasure. It's for business. And you're going to go and conduct the business of someone else. That's exactly, really, by the way, what happens next week when these guys go to Haiti. They're going to Haiti to conduct business for someone else. And that someone else is God the Father. Now, in the case of Isaiah, there's a reason why he went. The driving force of the trip. And we see that in the first three or four or five words of Isaiah 6, 1a. And this is a driving force of the journey and will probably be the driving force of our journey. Here's what it says. In the year that King Uzziah died. In the year that King Uzziah died. Now, first off... Some would say that that simply is a way of marking a date. For instance, you could say, my daughter was born in the year 2000. Um, I came as pastor of Dorsville in the year 2000. In 2007, I graduated. And some people would say that's simply Isaiah's way of marking a date in the past. In the year that King Uzziah died. I believe it's much more. I believe it's much more. I, I believe... That that mark, that event in the year of the death of Uzziah, in the year that King Uzziah died was significant in the life of Isaiah. Now, they're getting thinner, but many of you still can remember what you were doing at, on December the seventh, nineteen forty one. Some of you that would change your life forever because you were World War II veterans and you were answered your, your country's call and you went overseas, some into combat, some to other roles. Some of you were children, maybe seven, eight, nine years old. And you can remember to this day. I remember we gathered around the radio as news broke that the Japanese had attacked Pearl Harbor. But the bottom line is, you remember what you were doing on that day. For some of us, it's the day that John F. Kennedy was assassinated. I don't remember that one. I remember being in school. 1963, don't remember exactly what happened that day. But for many of you can say, I can recall exactly what I was doing at that time when John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Of course, many of you remember 9-11. Just nine years ago. And you can recall exactly what you're doing as the news story began breaking that terrorists had seized control of aircraft and were flying into the Twin Towers and our world changed forever. Some of you, it's not a public event at all. Some of you go back and you say, the day you met your current wife, that day changed your life significantly. For some of you go back and say, on this particular date, a child died. And my life has never been the same. There are things that happen in our journey of life that cause us to pause, to stop, and it changes us. And that's what happened in Isaiah's life. I believe when he says, in the year that King Uzziah died course, as we see at the end of the sermon, he sees the Lord. In Isaiah's case, the death of this king changed him forever. Now, really, to understand that, we've got to go to Second Chronicles, in chapter 26. So go ahead and take your Bibles and turn back there. That's what we're going to say the rest of the time. In 2 Chronicles 26, what was it about King Uzziah, who was a king when Isaiah was a prophet? What was it about his death that so grabbed Isaiah's attention? And what can we learn as we follow the mile markers through Uzziah's life? Let's look and see. Now, what we're going to do today in, I, in 2 Chronicles 26, there are some verses that we're going to gloss over. Not because they're not important, but for time's sake today. But the first three verses just tell some details. Um, Uzziah was, was 16 years old when he became the king. And it's really cool because the very first thing he did as king, even as a 16 year old, there was a port that needed to be restored and rebuilt. So Judah, the southern kingdom, could become a force to be reckoned with. And the first thing King Uzziah did, and imagine this now as a 16-year-old, is rebuild that port. And that describes that he reigned for 52 years and tells who his mama was. But then we come to verse 4, which we'll now call Malmarker 4. We've only been driving three miles, if you will, and all of a sudden we come to something very significant. And don't you do that when you're driving down the road? When you're on a trip? You remember, oh, but I saw this then and I saw that. I saw this. At at verse 4, at mile marker number 4, we see something very significant. Here's what it says. He did what was right in the Lord's sight as his father Amaziah had done. Let me read it again. He did what was right in the Lord's sight as his father Amaziah had done. He is comparing... The author is is comparing Uzziah to his dad, Amaziah. Now stay with me on this. He's saying he was just like his dad. He was just like his dad. And you know what? Has anyone ever said that to you? You're just like your father. You're just like your dad. And depending on your view of your father, that's either good or bad. Depending on what kind of relationship you have with your father... That's either good or bad. Depending on how you viewed your dad, it was either an insult or compliment. If your dad was a a drug-abusing, alcoholic, wife-beating, child-beating crook, and somebody said, you're just like your dad, you'd probably go, thanks a lot, I appreciate that. But if your dad was a very godly man, a good man, a God-fearing man, you would take that as a compliment and you would say, That I appreciate that. You made my day. Your view of your dad or who your dad was determines if it's good or bad, insult or compliment. Now, what I did was, as I was preparing for this message, I said, okay, it sounds good on the surface. He did what was right in this Lord's sight as his father Amaziah had done. So I did the logical thing. I said, what kind of man, what kind of dad, what kind of man was Amaziah. Now, if you look back across the page, in my Bible it is, to Second Chronicles chapter 25, we kind of get an idea about this guy named Amaziah. Because it impacts Uzziah, and Uzziah impacts Isaiah. Look what it says. In, in chapter 25, verse 1, Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehododan of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. There you go. But look what else it says. But not with a loyal heart. Amaziah, Uzziah's dad, served the Lord. And the Holman Christian Standard, I believe it is, says this. Or, or, or one of the... I'm sorry, maybe it's New King James. Says, but not wholeheartedly. Not wholeheartedly. Not Completely. And when when Isaiah writes, the the author of 2 Chronicles writes that Uzziah was like Amaziah, he's saying he did what was right to the eyes of the Lord, but not all the way. Not wholeheartedly. He was like his dad. How does that play out? Look at verse number 16. I'm sorry, verse 14. Then Chronicles 25. Now it was so, after Amaziah came from the slaughter of the Edomites, he's coming back from a battle, now watch, that he brought the gods of the people of Seir and set them up to be be his gods and bowed down before them and burned incense to them. Now this is what I call a crazy Ivan. Here's what happens. When you went off to war, Okay, if you lost the battle, if you were defeated, you would look at the gods that the victor had and said, I need those gods. It was obviously because they won that their gods are powerful, so you would seek their gods out, their idols, and take your, their gods back to become your gods. Maybe next time they would help you. But if you won, if you were the victor, you said, don't want their gods." If their gods couldn't help them, then they obviously are not as strong as my God. Amaziah did this crazy thing. He takes the gods of the defeated people, the gods who could not even help them win the battle. He takes those gods back and begins to worship them. What a crazy thing to do. Would you say amen? It makes no sense. And did you know we see that in people's lives? People will do the craziest things in life. Things that make no sense whatsoever. Not on a spiritual realm. Not on a physical realm. Not on an emotional realm. We sometimes write off as midlife crisis or something like that. But we'll do the craziest thing. We'll do a crazy Ivan, which means a Russian submarine captain, would all of a sudden turn a hard left or a hard right to see if an American submarine was tracking him he do it suddenly. And I see it so often in people's lives. They do things that are so uncharacteristic. A godly man will have an affair. A godly man will lack integrity. A godly woman will walk away from her family. Crazy Ivan. That makes no sense whatsoever. And that's exactly what, what Amaziah did. But it doesn't stop there. Watch this. Verse 15. Therefore the anger of the Lord was aroused against Amaziah. And he sent him a prophet who said to him, Why have you sought the gods of the people which could not rescue their own people from your hand? Why have you done this crazy thing? If the gods couldn't help them, they can't help you. Verse 16. So it was, as he talked with him, that the king said to him, Have we made you the king's counselor? Cease. Why should you be killed? The prophet is responding and says, wait a minute, dude, who made you my counsel? Who do you think you are, Mr. Prophet, that you can come in and tell the king what to do? That's called arrogance. That's called pride. Look what the prophet says. Then the prophet ceased and said, I know that God has determined to destroy you because you have done this and have not heeded my advice. Now here's the deal. Just like Amaziah followed the Lord, so Uzziah is going to follow the Lord. Now let me make two quick points. If you are a father, a mother, a grandfather, a grandmother, or some kind of in a position where people look up to you, particularly grandchildren and children, great-grandchildren, please hear me today. It is so vitally important that you set a godly example for your children or for your grandchildren. Because I'm telling you, in some strange way, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Often, as the father views integrity, so the sons view integrity. As the mama views marital fidelity so the daughters view marital fidelity. As the husband and wife conduct marriage, so the the son or daughter will grow up with expectations in marriage, just like mom and dad. You've got to be aware that your God, by and large, is the God that your kids are going to come to, and come to know, and come to respect or disrespect. Mom and dad... You just don't understand how important it is that you be godly in all your actions. Second thing is this. If you're a son, if you're a daughter, you may not even understand what I'm fixing to say to you, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you have a daddy whose core values are subpar, just be careful. Because some mystical way, whether it be in genes or generics or whatever, genetics, whatever it is, somehow, some way, often, the same sins that the daddy performs, the son performs. And the same sins the mother performs, the daughter performs. A gentleman that I know and some of you know outside this church tells his testimony how that his father had an affair and the Horrible effect of the affair on on their lives. And he swore to himself, I will never do that to my wife. Years in the marriage, he sinned just like his daddy. I'm just telling you, be careful. Call it a kink in armor. Call it genetics. Call it whatever you want to. I'm just telling you, be careful because we have a tendency sometimes to live out the very sins that we despise in others. They come home to us. They did in Uzziah's case. In a different way, the same sins, the same arrogance and pride that Uzziah saw in Amaziah, his daddy, Uzziah practiced out in his life. Malmarker number four. And then we come to Malmarker 4. Number five, we just just drive a mile down the road, and God's Word gives us another tremendous nugget from the life of Uzziah. He says this, he, Uzziah, sought God throughout the lifetime of Zechariah, the teacher of the fear of God. And during the time that he sought the Lord, God gave him success. Isn't it cool Maybe because Amaziah was such a poor example, God sent a mentor. God sent a guide. His name was Zechariah. And Zechariah, I love his title, his description, Brent. He was the teacher of the fear of God. His specialty, his calling was to teach others to respect God. What was the kink in Amaziah's life? He didn't respect God. And the Bible says something. He saw God throughout the lifetime of Zechariah. What does that imply? When Zechariah died, Uzziah started wondering. Even though he had this wonderful mentor, now listen carefully. Somehow, some way, he didn't internalize it. Somehow, some way, he did not own it. Where's our, if you're you here today, probably, oh, let's say 17 and down. Would you raise your hand, please, if you're 17 and down? Come on, come on, get your hands up. Come on, guys. Cool. All right. Very cool. Very cool. Thank you so much. You know, why are you here today? Why are you here today? So probably about three answers. The first reason you're here today is because and Day made you. So just be honest. Mom and dad said something like this, son, as long as you live under this roof, you're going to church, at least on Sunday mornings. So you had that expectation that mom and dad put the expectation on you and you're going to go to church. Second reason you might be here are friends. Hey, it's a place that, you know, I found my wife in church. I found all the cute girls were at church. You know, hey, what a great time to socialize. In today's society, you could be there looking at me going, text, 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 talking to the person across the room. So you come for your friends. The third reason, and of course the most valid reason, is that you want to be here. You want to be here. Mama didn't make you come. You're not here for your friends. You're here because you love God and God wants you here. I need to tell you something. Just give me about five more minutes of your time, and then if you want, you can tune out. Brent, you and I both know that 70% of the kids after they graduate high school drop out of church. 70%. Do you want to know why that happens? For the very same reason that Uzziah only followed God when Zechariah was alive. He didn't own it. He didn't internalize it. It didn't become... His. And kids, young people, if you're here today, and, and God is only, well, as long as mom and dad make me, I'll, I'll go to church. Man, as soon as you get away from mom and daddy, it's out of here. And if you have a special friend that you come to church with, and as soon as that question, special friend quits going to church, you're out of here. You've got to own it. And whether you're, you're Trent down here, the youth pastor's son, whether you're Rebecca guest. The pastor's daughter or little David, the worship leaders, whoever you are, does it. you've got to internalize it. You've got to own it. Mom and Daddy, boy, about now I'd like to bring internal Brent and say, Brent, come up here and explain to the parents how they help their kids internalize it. There's not a magic formula. But I'm telling you this. The most important task you have as a parent when your child is in that teachable age is somehow pour God into their lives in such a way that they own it. How many of y'all were made to eat vegetables you didn't like? I'm a squash. I've got this memory. I mean, they literally, they gagged me. I mean, you know the yellow squash? I literally gagged when I put it in my mouth. And my dad would say, You're sitting at the table until you eat it. And I remember sitting at the table. I hated squash. I eventually ate it because I really didn't want to sleep at the table. And we didn't have a dog in the house to. That works, by the way, guys. Just don't get caught. But guess what? Today I eat yellow squash. My daddy's been dead for 35 years. I don't do it because of daddy. You know why? I like squash. I like yellow squash. And I willfully eat it because I like squash. And mom and dad, all I know is this. you've You've got to get your kids to like squash. You've got to get your kids to love God. To like God. To want to be around God. And the most viable thing you can do, and I I know Brent would say this, you have got to live out God and preach the sermon of your life in such a way that you present God as the coolest thing since sliced bread. Not some rule-keeping, lightning, zapping God, but a God who's real to you and that you love. And the best way, that's the best way I know how, to tell you to get God in your kid's life. Let Him be passionately lived out in your life as as something you can't do without. And there's a good chance your kids will say, I want that, too. As long as the mentor was around, Uzziah followed God. When he died, Uzziah began to wonder. Mile marker number five. Mile marker six, seven, and eight, three in a row, three miles down the road. We read these words. Uzziah went out to wage war against the Philistines. He tore down the wall of Gath, the war of Jamath, and the Philistine and the Wall of Ashdod. Then he built cities in the vicinity of Ashdod among the Philistines. Verse number seven. God helped him. Say God helped him. God helped him against the Philistines, the Arabs that live in Gerbaal, and the Minuites, and the Ammonites gave Uzziah tribute money, and his fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt, for God made him. Say God made him. God made him powerful. Now, you got to understand something. I want you to go home seven and read the whole chapter. We're not leaving much out. We're leaving the sun out. Uzziah was a magnificent leader. He had the wealth of Bill Gates. He had the vision of Steve Jobs. He had the military leadership and power of Douglas MacArthur and the integrity and charisma of Ronald Reagan. All rolled into one. He was a magnificent leader by all accounts except one we're going to talk about. But he forgot something. He forgot that God gave him, and God made him. Somewhere along the journey, after Zechariah died, Uzziah started believing something. He, He went from believing that all that he was was because of God, to believing that he was what he was because he was who he was. Did you follow that? There was a time, there was a time when he said, I am what I am today because of God. To God be the glory. That's when Zachariah's alive. But after Zechariah died, as he enjoyed success till he said, wait a minute. This isn't God. This is me. He forgot that God gave him and God made him. He forgot it and we forget it. We get so good at preaching or worship leading or youth programming that we have a real tendency to say, well, now. And when you start saying, well, now, watch out. Can I have an amen? Let me say something. Sir and ma'am, to the adults first. If you're here today and God has blessed you beyond your wildest imaginations, you've got titles before and after your name. You've got the right cars. You've got the right houses. You've got the right clothes. The battle you fight is remembering it's not me, it's God. Because when we start having success, the tendency to say, I am successful because of me. Let me look you dead in the eye and tell you this. You are what you are by the grace of God. If you've got titles, God gave you the brains to get the titles and the tenacity to get the titles. If you've got wealth, God gave you the wealth. If you've got success, God gave you success. Some of you kids out here, man, you're so cool. You're in, that, you're in the top two or three of your class. You're one of those people that everybody likes. You're those ones that that there's never a doubt who's going to be the captain of the football team or the captain of the cheerleading squad or who's going to be the homecoming queen or who's going to be Mr. Bulldog. There's no doubt because it was you, baby! And you forget that you are what you are by the grace of God. It's not because you've got a winning personality or a great smile. It's because God has smiled on you and given you favor. You are what you are. Uzziah forgot it. And here's the, listen, listen. Because Uzziah forgot it, it set him up for the big fall. And just like you forget, ma'am or sir, young person, it sets you up for the big fall. Now, verses 9 through 14, just continue to list the accolades of Uzziah. Just read it when you get time. One thing after another, he did this, he did that, he did this, he did that, he did this, he did that. It was amazing. And then we get down to verse number 15. Watch this. He made skillfully designed devices. I like the King James Version. He made engines. Not like, whoo, engines like in motors. He made devices that were powered by, by weights and counterweights. He made skillfully designed divine designed devices in Jerusalem to shoot arrows and to catapult large stones for use on the towers and on the corners. So his fame spread even to distant places. This is the, this is the mountaintop. This is the epitome. People would, would come and see Uzziah. Tell me how you designed it. Tell me how you made it. What, what made you think about the counterweight that threw that large rock Three, four hundred yards into the enemy's territory. How did you figure all that out? He's on the mountaintop. He's got all the shields and the brass. He's on the top of his game. He's arrived. And as you stand on top of that mountaintop, look around. What's missing, Brent? What's missing? God. God. As you read through the list of Uzziah's achievements, you will not see that he, was, he did this for the kingdom, did that for the kingdom, did this for the kingdom, did that for the kingdom. All you see is physical attributes. What's missing? God. Somewhere along the way, God became a sideshow. Somewhere along the way, God became An afterthought. And at the end of verse number 15, we see that first warning. He was marvelously helped until he became strong. He was marvelously helped by God until he became strong, prideful in himself. And look what happens. But when he became strong, he grew arrogant And it led to his own destruction. He acted unfaithfully against the Lord his God by going into the Lord's sanctuary to burn incense on the incense altar. Something only the priest was supposed to do. Now, first off, you say, big deal. Let the guy burn the incense. It was against the law of God. He finally reached a point where he said, I don't care what God says. I've got success here. I've got success there. I've got success here. Now, I want to move into God's territory and do what I want to there. In Galatians, in chapter 6 and verse number 7, the Bible says, Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. There's trouble coming. There's tragedy coming. There's a wreck coming. I remember five years ago, I guess. Never had an accident in my life. I went home for something to do something with Judy, and I pulled back on, I leave the back alley, I pull on Church Street. I stopped there like I did every single time. And folks, I'm telling you, I looked this way, I looked that way, I looked this way, and looked that way, and pulled out, and pulled out right into the path of another car. Just like that. Oh, I had excuses. There's a big tree there and I couldn't see. There were bushes all there. The bushes are gone. The tree's gone because city agreed with me. But the bottom line is, I looked, 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 and shot out when I should have used caution and pulled out slowly. Uzziah threw caution to the wind. Threw God to the wind and says, I will do what I want to do. So he goes into the sanctuary, gets a fire pan in his hand, and he is going to offer incense to the Holy God because he wants to. A priest comes in, the chief priest comes in, along with 80 other priests, and says, King, you are way out of line. You are way out of line. You have no right being here. I want you to see something. Look at verse number 19. Malmarker 19. Uzziah with a censer in his hand to offer incense, was enraged. Does that ring a bell with you? Do you remember the daddy? And when the prophet came to him and said, Who do you think you are? Who made you the king's counselor? Are you ready to die? Remember I told you the apple doesn't fall from the tree? Uzziah falls prey to the exact same sin of his daddy. His pride. I'm the king. You can't tell me what to do. I'm the president. You can't tell me what to do. I have titles before and after my name. You can't tell me what to do. I have an own. You can't tell me what to do. The same sin. Not only the same sin is applied spiritually, Brent. He was enraged at the priest for them trying to stop him. And the Bible says, continue in verse Marker 19, But when he became enraged with the priest in the presence of the priest in the Lord's temple beside the altar of incense, a skin disease, leprosy, broke out on his forehead. Then Azariah the priest and all the other priests turned to him and saw that he was diseased on his forehead. They rushed him out of there. And he himself, Hurry to get out. Because the Lord had afflicted him. Say the Lord had afflicted him. The Lord had afflicted him. Now, make no mistake about this. This wasn't a, whoops. This is God saying, enough. Enough. And God afflicts him. Not with a case of psoriasis. Not a case of acne. Those horrible skin blemishes. With leprosy. Bam. And his life changed forever. Look at this last part with me. Verse number 21, 22, and 23. So King Uzziah was diseased to the time of his death. He lived in quarantine with a serious skin disease, with leprosy. And was excluded from access to the Lord's temple while his son Jotham was over the king's household governing the people of the land. Because of his pride, because of his arrogance, because he said, I will do what I want to do, he lost two things. As king of Judah... He should have been the spiritual leader. He is banned from that. He is excluded from even entering the sanctuary of God. For how long? A month? For life. For life. And you say, well, with his life, who cares, right? He he wasn't hot on God anyway. What about this, though? He stood by. All those years with that leprosy, watching his son do what he loved to do, Joe. He loved to lead. And his leadership days were over. Horrible cost. No longer, if he wanted to be the spiritual leader, could he be excluded. No longer could he lead if he wanted to lead. Excluded. Watch, watch. Uzziah rested with his fathers. And he was buried with his fathers in the burial ground of the king's cemetery. For they said he had leprosy. He had skin disease. And his son Jotham began, became king in his place. You know what his legacy was? You walk up, Steve, and say, Hey, Steve! You remember Uzziah? Steve wouldn't say, Oh, yeah, man, that's an incredible inventor. Do you remember those catapults? Could you ever figure out how he did that? It's kind of like a magic trick. How he threw those stones. Wow, that was amazing. Steve wouldn't say, oh yeah, man, remember how man, Judah was not longer a force to be reckoned with, and he opened that port up? <laughs> that was really cool. Could you believe how he took all our enemies and defeated them? That wasn't his legacy. Steve would say, hey Steve, do you remember Uzziah? Oh, you mean the guy with the skin disease? See, you know this and I know this, but I'll give it to you. Leprosy in the Bible is very synonymous with sin. And Uzziah was not known for his achievements. He was not remembered for his achievements. He was remembered for his sin. Can I ask you a question? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? When it's all said and done and you're stretched out in the box... As people gather around you, what story do you want them to tell about you? When you tell your story to your grandkids, when you tell your story to your kids, wouldn't it be nice to tell a story that you don't have to leave parts out because you're ashamed of them? Wouldn't it be cool you could tell the whole tale? Oh, Uzziah, I remember him. The guy with the skin disease. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. The journey begins. The driving force was the life of a man named Uzziah and his death. The journey began for Isaiah when he died. Why? I, I wrote down three things. One, if it could happen to Uzziah, it could happen to me. Maybe Isaiah was saying, you know, if he could fall, maybe I could fall. What a waste. When I look at Uzziah's life, it's such a waste. And God, I don't want to waste my life. Maybe. Uh, uh, separate from God. You yeah, can remember, Isaiah was the preacher guy. He's the prophet. And perhaps the greatest thing he feared was being separated from God, being put on a shelf by God. Whatever it was, I don't know. But something in all that process started Isaiah on a deeper journey to discover God. Just like Moses was called aside with a burning bush to seek God. So Uzziah's death was in the life of Isaiah. Now, here's my question. Has God put something in your life that's got your attention? Has God placed something? It may be be a positive thing, some measure of success. It may be a promotion. It may be a new child. Perhaps you're here today and for the first time you're a mom or dad and you're saying, wait a minute, I've got this huge responsibility and today your your journey has changed because you're saying, I have a responsibility to raise these kids in a godly way. Maybe it's a negative thing. Maybe you look back the day you got pink slipped and your journey began to discover God then. Maybe a child died. And through that tragic circumstance, God said, I need your attention. I don't know. I don't know. But I know there's a Heavenly Father who loves us so much. He longs for us to pause. To get our attention. And to begin a journey to discover Him. Like I said at the beginning of the message, for some of you, it begins today by answering Jesus' call. A dude who had it all together. He was hated by people, but hey, he had money. His name was Matthew. He was a tax collector, hated by the Jews, despised by the Romans. And Jesus walked up to the tax collecting table one day and said, Hey, Matthew, follow me. Begin your journey with me today, Matthew, follow me. And Matthew got up, left the counting table, And never went back. Perhaps God's calling you today. Begin a journey with me. You've tried your money. You've tried your measure of success. You've tried your measure of failures. You've tried different substances. Now try me. Not church. Not religion. Not being a Baptist. Try me. In just a few moments, Brent's going to be standing down front. And I want to challenge you today to get out of that chair, walk down here, look Brent in the eye, take my hand and say, I want the journey to start with Jesus today. He's saying, follow me, I want to follow him. And we've got some friends who will take this book, God's Word, and show you what it means to make a commitment to follow Jesus Christ for the rest of your life. That's for some of you. For a whole lot of us, this is the attention getter. As Henry Blackie would say, you just had an experience with God. And God has spoken to your heart today through His Holy Spirit and saying, this is your day. This is the time when you realize that, wait a minute, I didn't make myself. God made me. God helped me. And you recommit to following God. For some of you, it's a wake-up call realizing that you had the propensity for pride. Maybe your dad had it. And now you realize you have that same propensity and you need to say, God, help me overcome that. Perhaps you have a propensity for another sin in your life and you realize that and you need to say, God, I need your help today. I don't know. I know this. If you'll go to Him, you'll find the help in the hour of need right now. If you'll call on Him, you'll find Him. Amen? He will. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, for this high privilege of teaching your word today. Father, I know in my heart, this is so much needed in our lives today. Satan will seek every way possible to distort and destroy truth. And in Jesus' name, I want to pray against Him right now. Holy Spirit, we asked at the beginning that You would do Your work because only You can draw men. I seek to convict no one today. But, Father, I pray Your Holy Spirit will. I pray, Father, that Your Holy Spirit will call men and women for the first time into relationship with Creator God through His Son, Jesus Christ. They will answer the call and follow Him. Today, Father... For so many of us, in so many areas of our lives, the call comes. You've got our attention. Father, help us to respond. As we begin this journey to deeper discover who you are and who we are in you, let it begin today. We're being honest with you.